The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Hoi hoi. Hoi hello. All right, so you want to hear my story of the day? Okay, wait a sec. Mayor? Mayor? Can you turn the TV off? Oh, hang on. Nope, I'm not going to sneeze. Oh, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Hang on. You can hold it back? I can hold it back. Are you sure? Yeah. So you're going to be fighting it the whole time. Nope. All right, if you say so. Here we go. Here we go. Live from Studio 3B. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes, Spotify, and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast. With Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. The science of drummers. We'll find out what happens to the body during that big drum solo. Dr. Nadia Azar of the University of Winter's Ergonomics and Biomechanics Lab joins us to speak about this very important area of study. If you can't tell, Alan's a drummer. Uh, yes, that's true. You're a regular Gene Krupa. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Okay, so let me preface this by saying I've already had my pre-show martini at the restaurant where my wife is sitting beside my daughter across from me. Is this the same restaurant we go to all the time? No, actually. Oh, different one. Okay, A different fine. one. But to your point, I am a creature of habit. Yes, I know you are. But sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful night. We had a great weekend. And it's crowded. Everybody wants to be out on the patio kind of thing. And everybody wants to be having a lovely night. And on the speaker system at the restaurant comes one of my all-time favorite songs. Amidst the crush of noise, bleeding through, I hear the new radicals, you only get what you give. Okay. So immediately that would put me off my meal, but anyway. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that song. And it was actually the anthem after I left BNN mm. uh, when it came to sort of lifting myself up and reminding myself that I am the the, the, the guider of my own destiny. Anyway. Yes, you are woman, you are strong. Hear your roar. all the crush of the people and the music bleeding through, I turn to my now sullen teenage daughter. It feels like she became this sullen 13-year-old overnight. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't help that she's had no sleep over the weekend because she wiped out on her bicycle with the boy I think is her boyfriend. Oh, okay. And so you, you, you had road rash. Uh-huh. I'm sure we all have. And so you can't sleep for the first two or three nights. As it hurts. Ugh. Terribly. So she's in a terrible mood. And of course, she's now becoming a woman. So she's dealing with all of that. And she's sullenly sitting there going through her phone as this song comes on. And in my half martini fueled haze, say, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can name this band. <laughs> Don't give up. You got a reason to live. 
my wife leans in and she whispers, New Radicals. I'm like, yes, shh. <laughs> I said, you can use any means possible between now and the end of the song to figure out this song because I know it's way too loud for her to say, hey Siri, what's this song? <laughs> and have it actually figure out what the song is. Uh-huh. The kid's a little smarter than I think and starts typing in the lyrics as she's hearing them. Oh no. And before the song is anywhere near over, it goes, New Radicals, only get what you give. And my jaw <laughs> hits the floor. <laughs> and in my half drunken state, I realize I might have to pay out a thousand bucks to my 13 year old kid. Yeah, based on a music challenge for a song from the late 90s. <laughs> I turn to my wife for support on this, and she goes, you said any means possible, man. She had the phone in front of her. You owe her $1,000. Uh, yes, that's true. And I say, you do realize that half that money is yours. She goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> 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 and so the kid is incredulous that her father is actually going to shell out 1000 bucks. Listen, uh, the <laughs> that was the martini talking. It really was. And, and listen, it would, be, uh, it would be unethical of her to follow up on... Um, a contract made by her father. You don't want to be Donald Trump, do you? Well, what I had told her was that it's a good thing that uh, no contract is admissible when you are under the influence when you agree to it. And wifey overruled me on that. <laughs> yeah, so I said to her, I said, well, I was planning to buy you, buy the new VR headset for you, but uh, guess I'm not doing that now. Here's your thousand bucks. Guess not. Now back to King Krupp and Syncopated Style. Want to show your love of the world's most popular podcast, but don't want to open your wallet? Rate and review The Big Show on iTunes and Stitcher. We're not above bribing you either. The craziest review could win you free crap from the Geeks and Beats swag store. So you, sir, we've learned a long time ago, are a drummer. I am, and I have blessedly been able to avoid any sort of uh, physical ailments as a result of it. Well, that's because you never went big. Well, when I was teaching four days a week, I did have a little bit of carpal tunnel and I did have a little bit of lower back pain because of sitting on the throne. Um, but I, 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 I'm <laughs> certainly, no, that's what you call it. <laughs> Is that what you call it? The throne? It, Do you it's, think it's not, it, bring that up? <laughs> really? I yes, have no idea. The, the drummer's so the, throne. The, the, the little stool that yes. the drummer uses is called a throne? Yes. Does that, is that a little bit embarrassing? I, you know what? I, it's, it, well, listen, drummers take a lot of stick, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to... Uh, it's the only thing you got is what you're saying, and therefore I shouldn't shit all over it. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, let's get some perspective on what it's like to be a pro drummer from uh, University of Windsor's Dr. Nadia Azar. She joins us now uh, from her home office. Good to have you with us. Thanks very much for having me. So as uh, an associate professor in the ergonomics and biomechanics lab, it's your day job to study drummers? Well, it's my day job to do research in addition to the teaching that I do. And so for the research that I do, at least for some of it, I study the physical demands of playing the drums. And there are plenty of them. And there are very many of them, yes. Okay, now, <laughs> uh, let's go through them. Okay. Lest anybody is listening who has a kid that wants to get into drums. Because I, I got to say, I don't know anything about drums, but I do know that in the world of bands, the drummer is the one who gets, is the butt of the jokes outside of the bass player. Yeah, that does happen. Um, but in my opinion, the drummer is the one who's working the hardest. Yes. I bet. 
So yeah, in terms of the physical demands, I mean, all you have to do is look at a drummer and see how sweaty they are to, to get a sense of how hard they're working. Um, but yeah, playing the drums is, uh, first of all, an incredible exercise in coordination um, because you're basically having to coordinate four moving limbs and oftentimes they're, they're all doing different things but trying to keep the same time. So trying to coordinate that from a motor control perspective is, is impressive to begin with. So you studied the biomechanics of motor control in a novice versus a skilled drummer. And what did you learn? Well, that's one of the projects that we're actually kind of starting to get into. So we haven't been collecting data on that yet. What are you looking to collect? What, what are you looking to learn? Well, one of the things that we want to look at is what the muscle activation patterns look like in a professional drummer compared to uh, a novice drummer or someone who's really even never played the drums. Um, there was a, an interesting study uh, done by Stu McGill at the University of Waterloo who looked at this uh, pattern of muscle activation when, um, I think it was MMA fighters, when they, when they punch and how their muscles activate in this very specific double peak way that helps them to make basically two activation phases. And this helps them to achieve a really hard uh, punch or kick. Um, and so one of the things that we want to, to look at is to see if this same phenomenon happens in professional drummers as it does in other professional athletes. Is this kind of a variation of um, marathon racers versus sprinters where you've got two types of muscles? You've got slow twitch and fast twitch, and depending on what your genetics gave you, that determines your success as a runner. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily that having it, you, one it's profile. It's okay to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what I, I don't know for in terms of applying that to drummers and what would be, you know, the best case scenario for a drummer. I, I think really you would need a mix of both because you need the slow twitch fibers or your endurance fibers. So those are the ones that the marathon runners have more of. They, allow, they don't fatigue as quickly. And so when you have a lot of those, it means you can use those muscles for a long period of time and they don't fatigue as, as quickly as the fast twitch fibers, which are your power fibers. So those ones can generate a high amount of force in a very short amount of time, but they also fatigue the fastest. Um, so if you have a lot of those, you can, you're a good sprinter, you're very powerful, but you may not have the same endurance levels. For a drummer who needs both endurance and power, I would think that they would need to, like their best case scenario is having a, a pretty good split of the two, possibly even maybe more on the endurance side. One of the things about playing drums is that you're balancing your entire weight on your coccyx. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're sitting in such a way that your arms and legs don't necessarily provide you with any balance or proper orientation. So your lower back and your hips end up taking an awful lot of the force uh, not only from flailing your limbs around all over the place, but also from just holding your body in place. That's right. And core muscles as well. Um, you know, abdominal strength, yeah, to, to keep you, your back muscles and core muscles to keep you upright on the stool while the movement of your arms and legs is actually working to unbalance you. Um, so yeah, they they do take a lot of um, the brunt of that. And actually that that is, that question exactly is what sort of got me interested in this whole research stream to begin with. Um, I was at a Dream Theater concert and I was watching Mike Mangini um, playing. And if you know Dream Theater and you know Mike, you know he's a fantastic drummer, one of the best in the world. Here he is, everyone. The one, the only, the man under the kit, the monstrous kit, Mike Mangini!
And and my first thought was, I'm watching him thinking, wow, I would love to get him in my lab and, and put my muscle, uh, like my EMG system that records muscle activation. I would love to get him in and hook him up to that and see what his core muscles are, are doing and how they're working. Um, and that kind of led to, you know, there was a snowball effect. I actually got in touch with Mike. We ended up talking about doing some research and one thing led to another. And, you know, two and a half years later, this is the bulk of what I do. <laughs> What kind of injuries are you finding the drummers have? So I recently ran a big survey, online survey, asking drummers about their experiences with uh, playing related injuries. And the two, um, actually not very many drummers get di like medical diagnoses. Um, but of the ones that did, uh, the two most commonly reported injuries were carpal tunnel mm -hmm. and tendonitis. Yeah, this is those are two things that have hurt both Neil Peart of Rush severely and uh, Phil Collins, mm -hmm. who is in really bad shape from playing all those gigs. He had, I think, neck surgery fairly recently. He's got some neurological damage there. From playing the drums? Uh, yeah. Where does the neurological damage occur? Well, it, it could be um, if there is compression in the spine. So if your discs are degenerating, they're getting shorter, and that narrows the space um, that your nerve fibers have to come out of your spinal cord and go out to your muscles. Um, so if that space is putting pressure on those nerves, that can impact their ability to function and carry signals both to and from the spinal cord. So does playing the drums change your skeletal system altogether? Um, I would say that it certainly can build muscle in certain ways. Um, does it change your bone structure? Um, I, that I don't know. I guess if you, you know, anything that you do for prolonged periods, um, you know, it, I mean, like somebody who makes a lifetime career out of playing the drums, probably that is going to impact them to some extent. The same way, you know, a professional football player is more likely to have knee issues and, you know, hockey players or professional athletes are likely to have certain issues just from the demands of, of doing that same activity for so long. Um, would the casual drummer have each, those kinds of changes? My guess is probably not, but it, it would depend on how serious they are about it. Who's the favorite drummer you've uh, worked on so far? <laughs> I can't say that. They've all been <gasps> great. <laughs> okay, wait a second. So what is your love of drums? Where did that come from? Um, I took music lessons as a kid. Uh, music was always a part of my life. Um, I played the piano for nine years. I did play the drums a little bit when I was uh, in my early teens. Nothing, uh, you know, formal. My, my best friend's cousin set up his drum set in her basement, and we spent the summer learning how to play. Um, but I've just always been around it. Two of my uncles were drummers. Uh, my husband is a drummer. His brother is a drummer. So I've just kind of always been around it. Um, and just as a music fan and, you know, like I said, when I was watching uh, Mike playing and just all kind of came together. So you like hanging out with, you know, not the smartest guys, but the nicest guys. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Actually, there have been some interesting studies about brain function and drummers and how they're, they are better at certain types of reasoning and skills. Like what? Oh, tell us about that. Yeah. There have been some neurological studies, like looking at um, brain, like function in different regions of the brain, like MRI studies. And, um, oh, I read this about a year and a half ago, so now I can't remember all the details. But they, they did show that because that, that's the thing, right? The joke is that, you know, the drummers aren't the smartest group and that sort of thing. But it actually turns out that they kind of are. <laughs> I told you. And, and in terms of their 
their timekeeping and things like that. That's a that's a pretty precise thing to to be able to grasp. And not everybody drummers' brains are a little bit different in a way that they can they can accurately keep that kind of time, whereas other people can't. Yeah, there's that old musician's joke that goes, there are three kinds of drummers in the world, those who can count and those who can't. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's yeah. yeah way to go. <laughs> so the neuroscientist David Eagleman is uh, quoted in The New Yorker as being a man obsessed with time and found out that in an experiment he conducted with various professional drummers at Brian Eno's studio, that um, because Eno had this theory that drummers have a unique mental makeup, that it, apparently he was right. Yes. And that the test showed that a, there was a huge statistical difference between the drummer's timing and that of the test subjects. And we know that there's something anatomically different about a drummer and their ability to keep time gives them an intuitive understanding of the rhythmic patterns they perceive around them. Mm -hmm. And I think that has something to do with their, the size of certain brain regions that are responsible for different, uh, different functions, whether it's the timekeeping or a certain motor control area. I'm not sure if they elaborated on it in that article. So you're doing some research right now. Um, I have a couple different projects going. One is um, that I am monitoring professional drummers. Um, I, I monitor their heart rate and their energy expenditure while they're playing live on stage. Um, so that one's really fun because it's a, it's a really accessible way to demonstrate to people, um, who aren't academics, um, how strenuous playing the drums is, um, in terms that they understand. Um, so I, I, uh, publish all of this on my social media for every drummer that I work with. Uh, I, you know, I report on how many calories they burn through the show and what their maximum heart rate was and how much time they spent in the different activity categories that are defined by the American College of Sports Medicine, um, it's, which is really neat because it's it's really high um, in terms of how much time they're spending in those categories. Um, but so that's that's one that's ongoing. The other one is the drummer injury survey that I, I told you about. Uh, I ran that about a year ago, and we're still analyzing. We got a ton of data. Um, the survey was really big. Um, it asked questions about people's experiences with playing-related injuries, but also a lot about their lifestyle and playing-related characteristics so that I can try to get a sense of which of those characteristics might be related to reporting more or less um, injuries. Um, so we're still working on that. I have a student who's looking at some of that this summer as well as myself. And I have uh, another student who is just finishing up a study where we use three-dimensional motion capture technology to um, basically track drummers' uh, full body motion while playing the drums. Her study was focusing on the upper limb uh, because of what we found in the survey about the uh, the upper limb being the most frequently uh, injured body part for a drummer, so we wanted to see what the what the joint angles and what the postures were looking like while playing the drums in real time. Um, so she's wrapping that up right now. She's got a couple more people that she's collecting data on in the lab, and uh, then she'll be finishing that up. So there's some pretty remarkable technology you're employing to be able to keep track of the sort of the, this sort of thing, particularly if you're using motion capture. Yeah. Yes, we're very, very delicate creatures. We need to know what we're actually putting ourselves through when it comes to our love of music. Yeah, the motion capture technology is really neat. Um, it's uh, There are a few different systems that allow us to do this, and we have them in the lab. But the one in particular that I'm using is called the XNs motion capture system. And it's used uh, a lot in video game and uh, film animation. Um, for the the way they, they basically animate avatars over... Um, people who are, you know, wearing the suit and tracking their motion. So um, you're using the same technology as Gollum 
from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, similar technology. That one's actually a little bit different. We do have that system as well, but I can't use it with drummers because I need, that system requires a line of sight. Like the cameras um, that pick up those little white dots have to be able to see all the dots, which you can't do that if you're sitting behind a drum kit. It's true. Particularly if you're drumming away with a blur. Uh, yeah, I mean, the system, it collects, I'm trying to think of that one. I think it samples at about 50 images per second, um, which is a lot for basic motion. So yeah. it, it actually doesn't do too bad with blurring. Um, but uh, yeah, the problem being the line of sight, um, that wasn't going to work for us. So we looked to this other system instead, which is based on inertial measurements. Um, so these, these sensors um, are worn on specific parts of the body and they contain accelerometers and gyroscopes and magnetometers. And between the three of those, they're able to track um, three-dimensional positions um, without the need for wires or cameras or anything like that. So it's ideal for drummers because there's nothing to impede their motion, like cables and wires. And also, I don't need cameras. I don't need a clear line of sight. Um, the sensors they wear just pick up, pick up the, the position based on those other types of sensors. You do realize that if you laid these sensors out on some of the world's best drummers, that you could record how they play their craft, really, and then recreate it in artificial intelligence, and they could live forever. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, that uh, I actually would really like to get some of uh, the professional drummers I've worked with. I would love to get them to come to my lab. The dream is to get them to come to my lab with their own drum sets. Um, whether or not that's going to happen, we will see. Why, why does it make a difference? You know how much stuff there is to haul around? <laughs> yeah. And then you are going, no, drummers are very picky about their setups, which means that if you put them at any drum kit, they're not going to play the way that they would on their home kit. Right. So you need to have, if you're going to have any kind of study, you have to make sure that all the the, uh, the variables are the same. You're going to be able to replace these drummers in 50 years. I don't know about that. I don't know <laughs> because about there's, that there's a certain amount of soul that a human brings to it. I and mean, this is why drum machines haven't replaced drummers, right? See? So, yeah. <laughs> it touched a nerve with Alan, yes, I think. Doctor, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Dr. Nadia Azar is an associate professor at the Ergonomics and Biomechanics Lab at the University of Windsor. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. I'm on my way to Winnipeg tomorrow evening. Um, because I have to do a TEDx talk on Wednesday. I'm really looking forward to hearing how well that goes. Yeah, um, and I'm going a day early because they insist on a big, long rehearsal on Tuesday. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. We want to say thank you to Thomas Foster, who's been listening to you since he was in university in the 1990s and Geeks and Beats since it started. He is now jumping ship from Patreon to uh, the PayPal recurring model where you can become a member of the world's worst intern program by paying us a dollar a week to work on the show. Do no actual work, get no actual credit. Uh, Thomas has uh, jumped into that pool as well alongside others, including Jeremy Porter. So we want to say thank you to both of them. Thank you very much. We really do appreciate it. We are trying to raise enough money to get to CES in January, which is not going to be very cheap. Um, no. Michael estimates it, and he's the money guy behind this, obviously. He estimates the cost of being approximately $10,000. Canadian, right? 
Yep. Canadian dollars. Uh, so, um, hmm. Any help that you can provide would be uh, greatly appreciated. Now, you have to understand, too, that when we go to Las Vegas, and I think we proved this last time, we aren't going there to, uh, you know, for hookers and blow. <laughs> Not primarily, no. Well, primarily, but we're, we're actually going there for um, for work. And, and we do plan to, to report back to the listenership about everything that's happening at CES. So... Um, Please, please, people, understand that that this is a legitimate sort of thing. I'm really looking forward to showing you around CES. The first year we sent you down, which was last year, um, because of scheduling circumstances, we had to leave immediately after the live show when we opened. But you didn't get a chance. You got a chance to do the preview night, which isn't actually in the Las Vegas Convention Center. It's at Mandalay Bay. Whereas once the doors open at the actual Las Vegas Convention Center, it is glitz. It is glamour. It is the craziest thing you've ever seen. And I want to walk you through it and show you it's some of the concept cars that they've got down there. See, this is what I'd love. Uh, by the way, the wife will not be coming with you. Yes, she came last time, but that also was a part of the reason why it was possible for us to go in the first place, is you, you made it a, a vacation as well. Yes. And wifey and I did that as well the year before. And so with that in mind, we want to say thank you again to Jeremy Porter, who is now a supporter of the big show. Uh, he has jumped into the PayPal uh, recurring payment model, writing to me, I'm just a simple guy who really likes your podcast and finally decided to be an intern. Keep up the great show, guys. Well, thank you very much. It is appreciated. You know, when I go to the dog park, people do talk about us. <laughs> do they really? They do. How weird is that? It's just very strange. And I'm sitting there picking up some poop, and somebody wants to talk to me about something you said. <laughs> I don't know if there's a connection, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sure there's very much a connection. Subscribe to all new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or stream us live every Wednesday at geeksandbeats.com. Support the show on Patreon. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for a daily dose of the world's most popular podcasts with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.